1: Gracian's soul rode the wave of expansion as a dandelion pappas rides an unfettered wind. Separation dwindled the further he soared to once he came. Suddenly, her presence bloomed. In an instant, Aya's ripple merged with his. He guzzled her laugh, inhaled her aura, cradled her gaze, consumed her aroma, and melted within her spirit. The birth of creation, the invention of love, the two tumbled through existence, bathing in a lagoon of immortality. The hum of source caressed their souls, but then the vibration flickered and popped, crackling like the fires of earth. The soul, known as Gracian, awoke, then remembered. With this remembrance came a new force, a gravity which longed for his return, clucked from divinity and pulled downwards like a lightning bolt he thundered back to earth. From Dreams of Antiquity Valeria interviews Joe Hain. He is the author of Dreams of Antiquity, The Awakening, and Meditation for Beginners. Learn the basics of meditation through a fun and concise message. Joe is also a mindset and spiritual mentor and speaker. Through a decade of dedication and determination, studying dozens of belief systems, religions, faiths, and spiritual practices, Joe discovered something revolutionary. The process of transforming one's mind and perspective while making a deep and authentic connection to spirit. Encouraged by his late wife to write a book, Joe began doing so as he continued traveling the world, healing, finding meaning and learning, all while expanding his understanding of his own mind and spirit. Dreams of Antiquity is the story he was meant to share, an epic tale of one man's soulful quest through many incarnations learning to love again. Joe's other passion is helping others transform their life by teaching them how to wield the power of their mind and spirit. This is done through a private mentorship as well as his online membership and community. He is a deeply grateful man who has finally found what he had been looking for all along, self-love and the power to transform his life into something beautiful. Joe is happily committed to his fiancee, Suzanne, and their little boy, Oliver Holden. They're moving back to Southern California and enjoy their families, community, and blessed lives together. Meet Joe at joe-hane.com. Here's the interview with Joe Hane.
0: In your own words, who is Joe Hane?
2: So I'd like to go on and on about what I do and how I spend my time so I can kinda reveal to others what I may look like. But in the end, I feel like I'm just a regular guy. And I just I'm a regular guy who figured something out. And that kind of liberated me. It didn't come easy, and I'm sure we'll get to that. But um I'm just a guy who always wanted to live outside of the moment, where he was. And it brought a lot of like confusion, a lot of stress, a lot of pain, a lot of suffering. And then I lost something very, very important that I had. And then that kind of was earth-shattering. And so then I went on a quest and started searching for something to replace what I lost, in a sense. And I found something that I never could have imagined. And so I just feel like, there are so many people out there kind of in a similar situation and I don't know to what extent, but that are looking for something that's missing in life. And they don't know where to look, where to where to find it. And I feel like I found it. So that's in essence, I just feel like very fortunate, very grateful man to have this truth kind of um be my compass, my light. And uh for my passion and purpose, <laughs> that man, what he does, how he spends his time, is I try to teach others how to discover that for themselves. And I do that through um mentoring people one on one, speaking, uh, you know, on what most people do these days on TikTok and YouTube, uh, sharing my truth, if you will, and and what I what I use to get there so that people can find their own. And then I'm an author and speaker getting more into the speaking realm, but I just uh, released my my novel, Dreams of Antiquity. I wrote a meditation guide. And so I'm just a very grateful man, fiance, father, mentor, and seeker. (laughs) I'm still learning a lot too. So that's about it. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Wow, it really sounds like a a journey, doesn't it? To get where we are today. You know, I was I was pondering about this yesterday, because I do moments of reflection, contemplation a lot. And I was thinking about time. If there is no time, I mean coming from that spiritual understanding, knowledge, then how would we track growth? Is that something that would you say, shifts in consciousness, in perspective, and perception, how would we measure growth without time?
2: I think it's actually time uh, veils growth. Because with time, there's constraints. And then our ego, our thinking mind will go, that took too long. Or I haven't made it as far as I should with the time that I've had. And so a lot of times we lean into like, what we haven't done or what we don't have but if we give that up and i think the the real true gauge for that is how we feel so if we look at how i felt once before and how i feel now and then we measure the quote unquote distance between those two spaces it will be very illuminating and that's i think the best way to measure growth and a lot of times that emotion will be very you know illuminating but it's more so like when you're really stepping into the appreciation for what it took to get you to where you now are and you kind of overcome with that gratitude and you're measuring that in a sense. Um, that is, I think a really good and and authentic gauge for growth. Yeah, And then we can leave time outside of the conversation
0: Uh because it just
2: it confuses stuff anyway
0: (laughs) it does (laughs) for me it has been yeah me too not easy so I love that Um, how do I feel it's almost being a question and I see you mentioned gratitude appreciation several times already and I also read that in your bio you say that Joe is a deeply grateful man who has finally found what he had been looking for all along Self-love and the power to transform his life into something beautiful. So uh, then you made me think. I I stopped when I read this. Say now you're saying uh, the way the way to measure growth is the way we feel. And Gratitude might be one of the one of those uh, feelings when yeah. we have grown. So my question, Absolutely. I guess, at this in this moment is. I was trying to be grateful for everything in my life mm-hmm. in this moment, and I noticed that there are some things that I, I'm trying to uh, to accept still, like some sure. situations, some relationships I have. So I guess the question is, how do we, when we have this understanding, as I do now, that you know, sometimes it just kind of sparkles, mm-hmm. gratitude just comes, and ah, uh, it just explodes. It, In the moment, and -hmm. then there was this feeling of joy, and then (laughs) I go back to to reality per (laughs) se.
2: Yes,
0: and then here I am, you know, in this relationship or whatever it is that's happening. That's not really an invitation for gratitude. So talk to me about that for a moment, Joe. Yeah, yeah. I think it I think it can be, but you may
2: be looking at Mm. not the wrong Space, but the space that will not provide gratitude. Right. So, like, say, in a relationship, mm. a lot of times, so I'm um, mentoring people, and relationships are obviously a, a big consideration, but we're looking at what the person is not doing. We're looking at who they are not, and we're looking at how they don't treat us. And if we only look in that space, we'll always be wanting. It, it's like, a, It's like a billionaire looking at all the money she doesn't have. Well, of course, you always feel like broke if you look at everything you don't have. So with the, I like what you said, it doesn't really present the opportunity for gratitude, but I believe it does. One of the best ways that's humbling, say something that is giving you a little bit, let's say, you know, it doesn't give a lot of potentiality for gratitude, write down what the things you are grateful for, for that relationship. And don't look at what's missing. Only look at what is. It will be very humbling. And then also, you can tune your mind through the the kind of the Buddhist concepts of attachment, the the law of allowing to, is you can tune your mind to recognize when your ego is only really focusing on what life is not. And so that is the desire, the root of, of suffering there. And so when we train our minds to actually look at what we have, then we can feel that gratitude on a kind of constant basis. But it's our ego saying, this could be better. If only it was like this instead. And so when could it not be better? It could be like, you know, you go to an ocean and be like, this could be bigger. It could be deeper. Yeah, but of course, who cares? It's deep enough now. It's big enough now. But you have to train your mind into really... Stepping away from ego, coming to self, and through that conscious mental kind of methods, realizing what's right in front of you. And then the emotion of gratitude will be the byproduct of that naturally. So you're not gonna want to try to like stir it up inauthentically. You actually have to train your mind to believe. And then those kind of beliefs will trigger thoughts. Those thoughts trigger emotions. And so if we if we have the right beliefs we will end up in a grateful state of being.
0: What comes to me is I have done that before, uh, spiritual bypassing, per se. And then since I was a child, I have been raised in a very dysfunctional family, per se. I mean, I don't want to use that word. That's almost like psychology stuff. But it just, I felt very confined and it was a lot of pain and suffering. And I always wondered why. And then I changed to accepting the situation and, and kind of replacing those thoughts with positive ones. And then I became almost like too positive to the point of accepting abuse. Uh, It's okay. Perhaps I did something that I deserve because in a different lifetime, I might have abused them. So now they abuse me. So I gave a lot of explanations for what was happening.
2: Justifying. Yes, right. Without actually establishing like healthy boundaries for your own well-being. Yeah.
0: What? Keeps coming to me is that how do I learn to distinguish between yeah those awesome. two
2: awesome question. There's a really cool metaphor I love. You ever um, you ever have to go somewhere and you don't know the directions and you you pop your destination into Google Maps, right? And yeah, go... I don't
0: drive, so that's a tough one for me. But okay. yeah, I guess I have done that well, before with my husband. <laughs> if it's if
2: it's yeah, if you've been in the car with somebody doing that, right, where it's giving the directions, so. We're not in control there. We're getting this this higher perspective that is guiding us to an ultimate destination, right? And so we have the gas, and then we have the steering wheel, we have the brake. So your emotion, your emotion of how you feel about something is going to be your compass. So I believe that the higher self pours in direction by how we how we feel about certain stuff. And say if you are getting an encouraging emotion and it's authentic, then that's the gas. We go towards that. But say if you're trying to convince yourself that this abuse is good, but those are words Mm. that go against the authentic feeling of this is bad. So that authentic feeling is your higher self using the steering wheel to direct you into a different direction than the one you are going. So when you feel that, and it's a place of compassion, of benevolence, you have to go, okay, I need to fight for myself. Maybe this is my higher self saying, I I have to stand up for myself here because I don't feel good. And it's not about putting a positive spin on things. It's about finding me feeling positive about this. And it may be the only positive is you fighting for your own love, your own boundaries, and then moving away from whatever was not able to provide that. So its feeling is that emotion. And then if you can have somewhat of a a, a grasp on how your mind functions, you'll be able to see when it's like ego based or, or true self based or self self love there. And so it's tricky, but it's tricky. But the thing is, is like we don't listen to our heart enough and then we try to justify and usually when we feel that's the guidance. And so when you basically it's like red light, green light. When you feel good, go. When you feel bad, find a new direction. And that's where the lesson
0: usually comes from. Letting go comes to me. Yes. Surrender comes to mm-hmm. me. So and I wonder if it is the surrender of attachment to the situation, to the person who has a very different personality way of dealing with reality and themselves. So I have been doing this work now on attachment, but that's a tough one, I find. I
2: have a great question for you, if I can share it. Yes, yes. So whenever you're in a relationship and you need to know if it is your attachment that is causing the suffering or if it is their attachment causing the suffering, you can ask yourself this question, am I feeling this way because I am expecting them to do something they are not doing? Or am I feeling this way because of something they are doing to me that is affecting me? So I know it sounds kind of similar in a gray area, but basically like somebody would be getting very upset because they're boyfriend was not texting them before they went to bed and they really wanted that. That's something that the other person is not doing and therefore you want. Therefore, it's your attachment that is causing the conflict. But say if they are having very verbal abusive behavior, that's something they are actually doing to you that is causing that conflict. And then from there, you it kind of trickles down you know, you use, basically you're at that crossroads A or B. And then from there, it always dials down to communication. So if it's something where it's your own attachment and you say, Oh, I really wish they would, would text me before going to bed. Then you would have to express that that is important to you, to them. Cause a lot of times they just won't know. And then we'll get upset cause they're not texting, but they never knew it was important in the first place. So it comes to communication and then if it's still the other way where it's they're um, you know verbally abusing you and that makes you feel very uncomfortable obviously it still comes down to communication this is not working for me and to then express where you are but it helps when you know kind
0: of who has the attachment in a sense so it's not attachment right i'm not expecting yep. anything so it's exactly. it's uh, not that a lot of,
2: and i could tell that was going to be the answer after you shared about your family, you kind of coming into that justifying the abuse that, that you don't know. But do you see how crystal clear it is now? And you're like, yep. And my gut was telling me this the entire time, but I was trying to be spiritually evolved yes, higher for self, sure. <laughs> and very, very flowing with it. But inside <laughs> it, it was like, this is not natural. Yes. This is not authentic. And now you have just learned that you will never allow that again, that that feeling was your higher self, your divine goddess up there guiding you.
0: The toughest thing for me is I have never learned really to speak to people the same way they speak to me. If they're being aggressive, mm-hmm. violent, I can't do that.
2: Yeah, no, that's good.
0: That's one part. And then the other part is the fear. And if I do speak the truth and say this is not working for me and this with being firm, then... I fear that something could happen that they could become even more aggressive. Sure. So that's the other part of it. So it seems like I have it's I'm dealing with something within that's uh, conditioned to uh, situations. And
2: it's it's that pre programming that's kind of speaking. You know, you're projecting. But two more things, if you don't mind. So yes. Sure. Is basically. When you're going to communicate, I had a long, extensive uh, uh, tenure in sales. I worked for like Cartier and these high-end things. Basically, I say in my former life. But yeah. so yeah. <laughs> you you have to learn how to speak to somebody, and it's all about listening and kind of repeating what you know comes back to them is a big part. But it's called the sandwich. It's called build, break, build. It's a sales technique where you lift somebody up, and then you give them the quote-unquote bad news, and then you you compliment again. So like, say if they're not texting before bed or say if they're doing something more so, because this is more aligned where they're, they're doing something that's not right. You're like, you know, you get very short with, they get very short with you. For for example, when they're, who knows, watching a football match and they're just real emotional. And then you ask, Hey, can I get you a beverage? And they're real short and they scream, right? That's something they're doing. So in The conversation, when you realize it is their action that is actually making you uncomfortable and it's time to have that conversation, you're going to build, break build. You're going to say, listen, I want to share something with you. It's been on my mind. Can we talk for a little bit? I really love it how when you come home and you give me a kiss on my lips and, and ask me how my day was, it makes me feel so special so comfortable right there you just put them at ease there's no reason for their ego to become defensive because they're getting a compliment you're actually kind of enabling their ego a little bit which is okay for the for what we're trying to do and it's authentic you're sharing something that on your heart is is good and then you go you know and i love that and i i see us existing in that space as much as possible and the only times, that, not only times, but there's a certain times that we step out of that and it makes me feel a little bit uncomfortable is when you're watching the games and you're so passionate about it. I love watching how passionate you are, but sometimes that passion is redirected towards me in, in not such a pleasant way. And it makes me uncomfortable. And I was wondering if you could just be a little bit more present of that. Because I want to spend that time with you and I want to stay in that healthy space because just like, you know, before we go to bed, you, you hold me in your arms and you cuddle me and you tell me sweet things. But there's that little break when you're watching the game. And I want it all the time. I guess I'm selfish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I really want to experience it all the time. But you're so good at it here and here and then here. I think we can, we can accomplish that together. And so I just wanted to speak to you about that and hope that you can understand. And I'm proud of you. And I think together we can make that happen. But do you see how before they even have the opportunity to interject, you're already complimenting. And then you kind of touch base. But there is obviously some grace. It's like a little bit of a dance. But when you present it in a such, it gives them the opportunity to speak from their comfort zone instead of just reacting defensively. So I hope that helps a little.
0: It does. So it's um, the way of communicating. It's common sense to me. And and I I wonder if I become sometimes reactive to, like it's almost like the mirror thing that's reflecting on me and then it's triggering something and then I just say in the way, which I never raise my voice or anything like that, but it's still not uh, getting through. Yeah, the way you're saying it, it makes a lot more sense, right? Complimenting.
2: Yeah, and exactly, you're just building. And one other thing that you you said was that you have a fear-based consideration on how the conversation will unfold. So one way to train your mind to retrain that that is no longer a consideration. I call it broken compass. It's long-winded explanation, but basically, if I have a compass that is broken, and when it's pointing south, we're actually headed north, and vice versa with east and west. I can still use that compass to navigate through the wilderness if I'm lost because it's broken and it's exactly calibrated to be the other way. So, if you have a fear-based consideration where you're like I'm worried that that she's going to yell at me again, you can stop, observe yourself thinking that, take a breath, reward yourself for catching that thought, center in on presence and then ask yourself this question, what is the exact opposite outcome of that bad one? And then sit there and consider that Really positive outcome, close your eyes for 20 seconds and visualize that happening and then come to gratitude for that outcome instead. You'll train your mind that we don't just consider negative possibilities because if you want to consider the negative, then I will consider the positive and we will meet in the middle and neutral. But I'm going to leave off feeling this thought process, this rumination, feeling good instead of scared. And so you're retraining your mind like an old dog that it can't do something bad and then through that repetition you will actually start vibrating with that energy therefore altering the reality of the conversation it's a whole nother realm but yeah (laughs) you know so but you're also just coming from your best space not from fear you're kind of coming with i feel good and however it unfolds it unfolds but you are at least not operating from a place of fear which is you know that is a kind of handicap if you will
0: yeah that really it's something else to um, that i needed to work on and that's something interesting to observe is that i've been doing so much spiritual work going as deep as i can go and i know that fear it's not something to follow it's not something to give Attention to, I mean, in this case especially, it's different when it comes to uh, the threat of the body. Somebody's yeah, coming of with, that. yeah, that's different. But emotional fears and all that, psychological fears. It's fascinating how, in the moment, how it's not it's as blinding. easy. <laughs> yes, right.
1: Yeah. it's like a it's a
2: blind spot, right. Hmm. So I give everybody that I teach, I mentor that comes with my you know, program is the actual steps. And you'll know exactly when you're triggered, you'll find it. It may not be immediately, but you'll find it much quicker than you used to. And then there's a step-by-step process to what to think, what to visualize and what to feel. And I actually have them write this down on like a little post-it card or something, because you are literally retraining your entire belief system and your your thought process and to step away from the fear. And this works so well. It's incredible how kind of fast and efficient you start reprogramming yourself and then you're not operating from that place of fear. Again, it's different with physical harm. That's a whole nother consideration. But with that like psychological mental space uh, and emotional space, you can absolutely reprogram yourself to not even like jump to that conclusion anymore. It's just, it's not like a natural thing, but Yeah.
0: Right. And then the question that comes to me, especially with the work that you do in the book that you have written, uh, Dreams of Integrity, The Awakening, a novel. Yeah. The question that comes to me is this word awakening, so spiritual awakening. Is that something that you consider to be a destination where we get to and now we have no triggers anymore and everything is just life is just this sweet dream or it's something that we still deal with? <laughs> so I don't believe in really destinations.
2: I. I believe in like, uh, I guess my whole metaphor for the spiritual journey and awakening is that we are ascending this mountain and the mountain top, that summit is veiled. It's covered in clouds. So we don't know how high it goes, but we keep ascending. And so with every step upwards, we summit because that's the highest we've been. So we we're, we're done. We've crossed the finish line. And when you exist in that space, you're not psychologically telling yourself that you have to do more work. You have to ascend more because that's an ego trap to make you feel bad about who you are now. And so you can't, you don't ever really summit, but you do every moment, every day. And then when you're finding that I'm, I'm as high as I've ever been, because I could have a lightning bolt strike me right now. And this would be the, this would be such an achievement, and you're you're kind of praising that, you're you're honoring that, and then tomorrow, if you step higher, that's a new summit, but you're not coming at it with expectation, and there's no pressure and and stress. Immensely, it's challenging, but like you can train yourself to come into that, and usually people do when they experience a little bit of where there's like a tragic loss of a loved one or somebody passes that mortality really humbles you and goes, I, I have time. I have like life in me and it's not about being somewhere else and, and becoming some other person. It's about what I have now and who I am. And I am, I'm a, I'm a blessed, blessed person. I'm on my summit and you stop. And you take a look around because we're always looking up at where we go. got to go. But when you stop and look at where you came from, it's very, it's, you know, it's like you start getting teary eyed.
0: Yeah. I felt it now. Yes. Right. It's a feeling
2: feeling. Exactly. So it's like, and then if you give up the destination, that means you have nowhere to be, but where you are. And that's presence. And the only liberation that really exists is in the present moment.
0: This is something that we have heard, that we have practiced, Read I have practiced, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. everything that you can think of. But So it's not an understanding, right, Joe? It's the, the realization of that, of that knowledge.
2: And not the realization of the theory, right. the
0: realization no. of the experience. You're like, oh, this is what they're talking about, you know, or it's like, I get it now. Yeah, some people say that a presence is not an experience. I have heard that before, but it can be reflected into experiences,
2: right? Yeah. See, I think presence is, again, I I don't, I don't know if, you know, experience is so general, but I think presence is us, like true presence is us experiencing our most divine self because nothing else exists. And like when you're really in that moment, that's why people love their hobbies and mountain climbing and cycling because they're not thinking about taxes and paying bills and, and laundry. They're just uber present and they feel free. They feel liberated and, and in the zone. And I feel like that is us throughout our day in life, kind of getting the closest that we have been to that more divine nature that we're trying to kind of maintain.
0: It is a sense of freedom, for sure. But it seems like we have these um, different worlds, obviously the mental world, and then we have the outside world, all the uh, the stimulus. And it's such a complex and rich experience, isn't it?
2: Yes. So layered.
0: Yeah. And it's one and the same, right, Joe? It's not two. It's one. It's not separated. And maybe that's what it feels very paradoxical. Because it is, but it's not at the same time. This is, yeah, this experience here now, even if it is uncomfortable, it is divine. It is spiritual.
2: It's just when we're not looking in the right space, we lose trace of that divinity, I think. But it's hard to maintain that. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and be like, you just have to let go if you want. You know, like, yeah, yeah. You're like, okay, <laughs> cool. But like, how? <laughs> you know, how? Yeah. When, when, when water's leaking through my walls because of a storm or whatever it is, you know. <laughs> yeah. It's challenging. That's where the fun is too though.
0: I agree. That's where the fun is. I mean, it doesn't sound too good to say that when suffering pain actually not suffering is part of the experience. But we can still have fun and be joyful. I have found yeah. them to be true myself. Yeah. I would love to hear about your book, a bit more the story in your book. Yeah, sure. I would love that. Just for a moment. So your book, it's titled Dreams of Integrity, The Awakening.
2: Yeah, yeah. So I believe that most spiritual like quests are kind of the byproduct of a tremendous amount of pain and suffering. And uh, we get to the point where we can't really <clears throat> go on the way that we were carrying on before and we need to make Kind of a groundbreaking, groundbreaking apocalyptic change and fight for something else. That happened to me. My my wife was battling cancer uh, back in 2012 and 13, and I never really saw her passing. And I we moved in with my parents, was caring for her. She had um, lung cancer and it spread to her brain in the form of many tumors. And so it's like bathing, feeding, caring, a lot of that, but also a lot of beautiful moments together. But we ultimately uh I had to pull her off life support in July of 2014. And uh it was catastrophic for me. It was it was my end we were together for twelve years. Um, but I received the first sign she passed at three twenty-five AM and our anniversary was March twenty-fifth, three twenty-five. So that was just too coincidental for me. And then I received a message from her after she passed, uh, and it said to tell a story to write a book and so then i went on my i actually like got rid of my our company i quit my job kept everything in storage and i bought a one-way ticket to cartagena actually and started traveling through south america volunteering but i was broken but i was looking for healing and meaning and and trying to find that missing thing and uh, then I moved to Costa Rica and I lived there for a while. Then I bought an old truck and drove back from Costa Rica to Chicago for m- many months. And I thought of this story, uh, the one that I was supposed to write to tell. And I thought of the very first chapter and the very last. And then I I started creating this. It was inspired by me traveling the world and knowing that if she was guiding me and speaking to me and helping me figure some stuff out, then this life was important because she was obviously somewhere else, but she came here. So there had to be reason for that. I didn't know what it was, But that meant that it was important. So that was my quest is to discover why I was here. And I believe I did. At least again, it's not that I have the answers. I have what I believe, and that is my my truth, my answer. So I continued traveling the world and learning all these different, religions, faiths, esoteric spiritual practices and methods, and going to uh, Tibet and the Himalayas and to Northern Africa and all through Asia and South America, and, and just traveling and soaking up cultures and experiences and people and faith and psychological, philosophical stuff to help me discover truth and meaning. And I started writing this novel, and it's about a man uh, king in Babylonia and his queen, who gets very, very ill and she perishes, and he's left to pick up the pieces and he can't. And he ends up passing away only to be reincarnated in another body in, in an Aboriginal village. And he lives that life and he continues living and dying, living and dying, and becomes, you know, a, a, a Nepali shepherd and uh, and then a martial artist in china and just all different aspects of learning new cultures taoism and 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 sufism and all the different stuff that's related to the different cultures but he keeps reincarnating his wife is a guiding influence as he kind of awakens through his spiritual journey learning all the different stuff from the different faiths and everything and that is dreams of antiquity the awakening so this is the first book in what will be a series Uh, about this man, Gracian and and his spiritual adventure, learning (laughs) to find self-love.
0: What you make me think in this moment is, why does it take so many lifetimes and so much suffering and pain to understand something so simple? It sounds so simple to me and obvious, to love oneself.
2: But also, there's so many lifetimes filled with joy and gratitude and delight and pleasure. And so there's always that other side of the coin that we can see what do we gain from all those lifetimes? Yes, we do suffer, but a lot of it is also within our mind and it's not authentic. And I wouldn't have stated that before and I'm not gonna be so ignorant to to the fact that a lot of people are still suffering. I understand that. But if we only look at the hardship for what it takes To awaken, I feel that we're missing a big part of the journey because a lot of it is right there before us. And if we're looking at the right things, we will be free in a sense. And that is gratitude, that is presence, attachment, and everything. But it is sad. But again, I think like the suffering, I know it's kind of cliche, but like an obstacle course. Like if it wasn't challenging, how would we know what we're made of? how would we conquer that obstacle to graduate to the next one that's more challenging that how would we learn to master that how would we grow and ascend and strengthen our our mental and emotional physical and spiritual muscles so that the difficulty that suffering that is the lesson and we can't learn the lesson without navigating through it in a sense but we do get pockets and sometimes big ones long extended ones of joy of delight of pleasure of accomplishment of gratitude
0: because one doesn't exist without the other in a way so it's duality yeah. yeah something in me is kind of going towards um, non-duality. I have been doing a lot of studies Mm -hmm. with um, Hinduism. It's called Advaita Vedanta. You probably heard about it. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I don't know. My attention is being very attracted to that philosophy because it it states very clearly that there's no duality. So the only ultimate reality is non-dual, which is not two. So everything is connected. There's just a divine
2: happening. Yep. If we still look at it, Like from, you know, like a Christ point of view or a Buddha point of view, it's all one love, that divine. But it's training or healing yourself to know and to see that and to embody and experience it. That's challenging. But I think that is the spiritual journey until you are whole with your true divinity or it is whole within you, one and the same. But it, I like what you said that you're kind of going through the season of, of learning about, you know, the non-duality. And I feel like so many people now are like combating each other in spirituality about what's right and what's wrong. And it's just like, it's all right. It's just whatever's part of your
0: journey, you know.
2: So I'm glad that that's speaking to you now.
0: Yeah, beautifully said. Uh, I love the way you said that too. There's nothing wrong, right or wrong.
2: Yeah, because that would be duality.
0: Yes, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) How do you define true love as of this moment? True
2: love is, I think, just acceptance for what it really is now and not wanting it to be other than what it is. And just being supremely, not acceptance, because I feel like acceptance is like, is just like a base layer, but like actually grateful, extreme, supreme gratitude for not wanting it to be anything other than what it is and really embracing what it is, who she is, what he is, who I am, and not trying to convince yourself of that, but feeling it and it being such a powerful feeling that you are very present within it.
0: What an amazing definition for true love. (laughs) Yes, it's unconditional love, isn't it? It sounds to me. Just removing the conditions. Now you just see life as one happening, one event. And everything is connected, not separate. Exactly. Ah, I love that. Actually, let me ask you this question too. I know I have another ending question, but before that, Joe, would you like to add anything else that we did discuss today or read a passage in your book?
2: Um. I think the book, because it's a novel, uh, if people are interested, they can definitely check it out. But it's a very beautiful, emotional roller coaster of a ride. Um, And so I can grab a passage, but I feel like definitely check out and see if the story would speak to them. I mean, I shared my story here today, but if you look at it and if you're into spirituality, reincarnation, and beautiful, loving adventure and drama then this may be right up your alley especially if you kind of want to get away in somebody else's story but it will be emotional because i write very vivid and and clear and compelling uh tales so i think uh i'll let the audience members kind of check that out to see if they like it but um, i'm also available if people want to learn some of the stuff we discussed how to do within their own life like that's what i Teach. That's what I, I show others how to do through the power of their own mind and spirit and speaking into their life. So my website, Joe-Hane H E H uh, N dot com, is a great resource. And I have a membership, a mentorship, but also just if you want to learn a little bit more about me, I have a bunch of free stuff on TikTok and YouTube. But my goal is just to try to help you out. If you're if you're looking for that missing thing we may be able to to help you discover it. So it's more so you're not alone. There's so many other people out there that are amazing and there is a way and it's waiting for you. And so just keep searching because you're you're pulling that into you into your orbit. And don't
0: give up. <laughs> yes, I was about to say that. i am like, wait a minute, it's a cliche. But you know, it is one that it really it still resonates true to me. Don't give up yeah. on the things that your heart wants to do, the place that it wants to see, or what it, it wants to see. That's yeah, what my you want to experience. Yeah. Bye. So I'll have the Amazon link to your book on the podcast awesome. profile. I'll have your website as well. Thank you so much. Thank you, Joe. And my last question is, what is another word for life? Life, man,
2: I I mean, in my heart, like I wish I could say something different almost because I've been so <laughs> receptive. <laughs> but like right away, it kind yeah. of like, it was like the dinner bell inside my heart and it's just gratitude. Honestly, I know it's, I use it so much it's cliche, but I believe that gratitude is the, the God emotion. And so when we're existing in that, I believe it's, a, it's an ascended state beyond peace. And so I believe that is life. And that is like true divinity. Uh, so that's my answer. Sorry, I wish I could do something a little bit different. but
0: <laughs> See, it's very simple. <laughs> the truth uh, is, it's yeah. very, very simple. <laughs> I'm consistent, if anything. Okay, so there you go. Yeah, but yeah. It actually sounds very simple, but it's not. Um, yeah. It's layered. Right. Do you see a difference between the state of gratitude and the state of appreciation? Is there a difference?
2: Yeah, I think actually, so I think all all positive emotions, like joy, uh, delight, excitement, love, appreciation, delight, pleasure. I believe those are all graduating degrees of gratitude. So like when you're having fun, you're just grateful for that particular experience being like exciting. When you're super joyous, you're grateful for whatever you're really experiencing. And when you're in love, you're really grateful for that person loving you and for you having the opportunity to love them. You're just grateful. Your gratitude is is overwhelming, if you will. And so I just feel that all the positive stuff, instead of it being loved, because it's like people say, Well, I love blueberry ice cream. But do you do you <laughs> love it? Do you enjoy it? Yes. But I feel like right. you're just grateful for it more than you are the other ice creams. And that's why you, quote unquote, love it. But it's all gratitude. And so on the one end of the spectrum is fear. And it's all of the negative emotions, anxiety and, and anger and depression and everything else involved with fear. And on the other one, the light is gratitude, which people, I think, confuse with love. But I think they're one and the same. So appreciation is a little bit diluted gratitude. <laughs> you know, like oh, diluted having, gratitude. Uh, That's interesting. You know, yeah,
0: you having, say
2: that. Having gratitude, but it's not overwhelming. It's not the, the heightened state of love.
0: That's fascinating to hear because I usually sign off with the email emails I send to, to people with yeah. kindness and, and gratitude. I used to much love and gratitude. And then it changed to with kindness and appreciation. much, And ah. then the word gratitude... Little by little, just kind of, um, it's still here, but I use more appreciation for some reason. I don't know why, it just changed. But when you
2: said it like that, I felt like it was more authentic in the way that you feel. Like appreciation is kind of like a, it's kind of like a long exhale when you're looking yeah. at something that you really like. Uh-huh. You're like just taking time to appreciate it. And I do think that gratitude, it's kind of lost its, its I guess punctuation if you will it's being so so used and overused just like love is a lot so appreciation I say stick with your gut it sounds good you gave me a little little stirring in the heart so something.
0: <laughs> yeah so I felt too when I started writing this way and saying that something was felt like it was deeper than gratitude for some reason it's coming from that place there the unknown, right, Joe? We can't know everything. We just, yeah. um, we kind of just play out. But you out feel here. it, yes. And you
2: listen to that, and that that steered you in the right direction. So you did, you did well there.
0: <laughs> Thank you so much again for your beautiful presence today for this conversation. I have deep, deep appreciation for you My and what you soul represent and your message It's just. I mean, what can I say? I have no words for it. It's just (laughs) beyond words, really. So thank you so much. This was a delight. And I'm truly grateful. And I
2: appreciate you for doing what you're doing. Honestly, this is so cool. So many people are learning so many different things that they wouldn't be able to discover without you. So we are all grateful. And uh, keep it up. Uh, Thank you. Yes,
0: I will. (laughs) My sacred space. Thank you so (laughs) much again. My pleasure. (laughs) We'll talk soon. Bye for now, Joe. Okay, bye-bye. Bye.
1: Thank you for listening. To learn more about Joe Hain and his work, please visit joe-hain.com.
0: To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.